Hey, beautiful people of this community. I'm here with another trigger-proof transmission that has been inspired by some personal DMs from moms and a client uh, who's a dad who's having the experience of children. And we see this a lot. I get to see this a lot in the work that I do. <clears throat> having the experience of children that are basically stonewalling, shutting you out, and saying, fuck you, I don't want to have anything to do with you. This is, um, yeah, this is uh, something that I really feel very strongly about. Uh, I, it's a very important, meaningful message. Um, it's a little uncomfortable, I admit. Um, I'm, I just became a parent, and so I have a one-month-old, and so... I'm saying this with the full awareness that somebody in about 20 years can easily take this post or on YouTube and turn it around and kind of right back in my face and say, hey, Nima, what about you? Dominic isn't that crazy around about hanging out with you right now. So uh, I understand that, and I'm just going to risk saying it anyway because the message still stands. And... This message is just as pertinent for me 20 years down the road. <clears throat> so I, I tell people all the time, not only am I the president of my company, of, of, this, uh, of a team that I have, of, of a mastermind group and a community where we heal our attachment wounds and we create healthy, secure attachments at home. Not only am I the president, I'm also a client. It's like the hair club. <clears throat> hair club for men and so sorry it's a little dry here <coughs> so everything that I'm sharing with you <clears throat> is just as much for me so I'm not above this I'm not saying it from a place of I'm not going to be speaking to you right now from a place of holier than thou at all everything that I'm sharing with you is my own medicine 20 years down the road when I have conflict with my son. And I expect that life is, you know, you're going to have conflict at times. <clears throat> Please understand, I want you to know that there is, this is not about creating a methodology that prevents conflict. Well, you, you can, very much so. But in all relationships, conflict, it, you know, can be, can be necessary sometimes when you're bumping up against two opposing views, two opposing value systems in a container of humans with each their own shadows, each their own traumas, each their own triggers, you're going to bump up against, bump up against it. And so this transmission is purely for the conversation of healing. So just like everything that I do, <clears throat> all my trainings that I do, the only thing that I'm interested in is the conversation about healing. And in order to heal, we must get to the truth. And in order to get to the truth, we must be willing to get uncomfortable in order to face it. The truth is very rare nowadays because um, there's so much shame involved in being ourselves and expressing our truth. Because growing up, we weren't really rewarded for expressing our truth. Quite the opposite. And uh, we, most of the time, most of the people I've spoken to have had the experience that their truth was not validated. And so this leads to a whole bunch of challenges like codependency, people-pleasing, <clears throat> putting on a mask, inauthenticity, manipulation, lying, um, basically anything that we do to avoid uh, the, the, the humiliating experience of rejection. We will do, say, be whatever to avoid that. And so I want to shed some light on if you're experiencing um, a breakdown in relationships with your family dynamics and exactly what it is you must do to transform that. Laura, I'm glad that you're here. Helpful for us parents. Encourage truth-telling in our children. Oh, yeah, that's difficult. The first thing that I'm going to share with you, first and foremost, is this, okay? Before I begin, there's four reasons that I was just kind of jotting down. Now, I'm sure there's more, 
but I'm just going from the pool of experiences with the clients we work with and there's patterns that I see and this is going to be helpful for you so you can see if you can recognize the pattern. What I'd like for you to do is write in the comment section if something is landing for you. I don't know who's watching. Give me a hashtag replay if you're watching on replay and let me know what you got out of this transmission. It really helps me because then it inspires me to keep giving my time and energy and effort. Why? Well, because I stand for healed families. I truly believe in my journey as a chiropractor and working to help people heal that it's in the foundation, the foundational structure of our healing comes from cleaning up our own room. <laughs> you know, if you wanted to, Jordan Peterson says, if you want to change the world, uh, you want to go change the world, that's fine, but start by cleaning up your own room. Laura, this is so pertinent for you. You wanted to change the world in some way, but what we did when you jumped in uh, was um, you got to, to the business of cleaning up your own room, which was the container of your family dynamic, unpacking it and making sense of it and getting to a place of healing. Okay, so today's conversation is if you're... Uh, if you're in a situation where you have uh, children that have that want nothing to do with you, and um, what what the possible reasons are. Now, the first thing that I'm I'm going to share with you is this: is that I want you to write this down, maybe even type it out. Is that people go to where they're appreciated the most. If we just understand that about human behavior, and you just put that out there. Instead of playing the victim to children who don't want to speak to you, if we can just go get out of our condition, get out of our victim state, and just observe the truth of human behavior, and the truth of human behavior is that I will want to spend more time around people that have me create the sensations inside of me of appreciation. So people go to where they're appreciated the most. Okay, that in and of itself should solve it and give you some idea alright give you some idea there but I'm gonna go a little bit deeper after you you understand that and really uh, uh, and help you get what the causes are the first reason why um, your kids don't want to have anything to do with you is the first reason is because of this thing called enmeshment enmeshment means the inability to have a boundary between my feelings and emotions and your feelings and emotions. Okay? Let me give you an example. My son right now. You can hear him crying. Okay? If he's crying, and I, I just became a dad, and I'm very, I'm very like obser observant of myself in this process of one month into this fatherhood gig, and I notice how many times when he's having a meltdown and he's feeling upset, gassy, whatever, that I, in my mind, get extremely triggered, and if I follow the train of thoughts and feelings, I will conclude that it's, you know, all this is because I must be a shit dad. Let me know if you understand what I'm talking about. So what that means is, in that moment, because of my own unhealed wounds, because of my own insecurities, my own perfectionism, my son's big emotions, I will then start taking to mean that it's because I'm a shit dad. And if I make that association, which is completely happening unconsciously in the background, by the way, through no effort does this happen, it just naturally goes, immediately, what am I going to do? I'm going to need to fix it. I'm going to make his feelings about me. <coughs> So I'm going to overwork, I'm going to control, I'm going to try to solve. Instead of really just sitting and just empathizing, I'm going to make his emotions about me. And that's called enmeshment. And what then he's going to feel is unseen, unheard, ununderstood. Because I'm not hearing him, I'm just acting out of my own ego rather than out of empathy. You've had that experience before when you have had big emotions and a person was unwilling to really understand you and listen and see and hear. They invalidated you. They uh, defended or justified or tried to fix and solve when all you just wanted was some space to be able to express without fixing. 
and you ended up feeling unseen and unheard and then what happens is you then take responsibility for that person's emotions and you hide yourself so that you can take care of that other person this is the foundation of enmeshment does this make sense to you let me know if you can resonate with this okay so what happens is they at a certain time the reason why they are wanting space is because if they're not doing okay okay this was my experience I, when I went through a divorce uh, when I went through my divorce I called my parents my parents didn't like my my first wife they didn't think that I should marry her they told me not to of course I went and went ahead and did it anyway and then three years later when it was time for the divorce and I called my parents and I gave them the the news which was really sad it was probably the lowest point in my life at that time I was 30 uh, three, 34 years old, and I was just, it was, a, it was a very dark period, and their response was, we told you so, and they just couldn't handle it. They couldn't, it was too painful for them. In other words, my pain was their pain, which is natural to parents. Let me know if you can resonate with this, that, of course, when a child is having pain, you're going to ex experience pain. But because of your inability to hold, hold those boundaries, that person, that person's emotions become mixed in with your emotions and the reaction out of, out of that causes them to feel responsible. And so that's called enmeshment. There's no boundary between self and other. And because they don't know how to manage that, instead of trying to talk to you and express themselves to you, it will off be, often it will be met with defensiveness so they just don't feel safe to be themselves and express themselves around you because they have unconsciously taken on your emotions and felt responsible for your emotions and then became enmeshed enmeshment is the first way is is the first reason why they they can't stand to be around you because your emotions are now inter intermingled with one another. There's no separation. And it's all because of love. There's nothing but love there. It's not because of a lack of love. It's because there's love. They, there's an attachment there. There's an attachment wound, and they aren't able to de-emesh. They don't have the skills and tools. Why not? Well, because they didn't learn. Because <laughs> how? How would they learn? Did you teach them how to stop enmeshment? No. When you don't learn the skills and when you don't make a priority to master your own boundaries and understand how to respect somebody's boundaries and how to connect with what, what's true for you in, in your boundaries, what happens is you live a life where there's no boundary between you and another person. Uh, you, you miss what happens is somebody's somebody's innocent request for some space turns into a massive like feeling of rejection if you don't really get this right if you don't get this right and learn how to create that and, and solve that you have zero ability to share your boundaries because of your fear of rejection and then you will have no ability to listen to somebody innocently saying boundaries so setting a very simple boundary like, listen, I'd appreciate, this is what I said to, to my parents uh, last week. I said, listen, mom, uh, dad, I would just appreciate that right now is not a good time for giving advice. You know, Diana's, you know, healing from her surgery. She's getting a lot of mixed stuff. Please, I know you want to help. Just, I just ap appreciate it tonight for dinner. When we come over, just no advice. And then my mom was like, of course, I never give advice. She completely denied it, which is, you know, what, what happens. I know. Never. Or you can do whatever. We never give you any advice. You have all of your experts that you can talk to. You don't need any advice from me. I never give it. Sure. Then I get a text message from my dad about an hour later asking me what sh my mom said to warrant such an abrupt response. In other words... I set a very simple boundary, and it was done by text. So based on past 
experiences, it could be easily misinterpreted. And so what ends up happening is a huge defensiveness. Why? Because enmeshment. Enmeshment is the first reason. We don't understand and we haven't learned. They ha your children haven't learned how to set boundaries and communicate boundaries and listen to your boundaries. Because quite honestly, if you're like most people, you haven't learned them. You haven't learned how to hold them. You haven't learned how to respect another person's. You haven't learned how to listen to them. And you haven't learned how to um, kind of take, t hold yourself accountable for your emotions, which leads me to reason number two. Let me know if any of that resonates with you, okay? When you learn how to untangle the enmeshment, interesting things happen. You're not so afraid of conflict. You'll have a conflict and you'll be able to nip it in the bud within minutes rather than having a big blowout, which is what usually will happen if you have all this past unresolved shit swimming in the container between you. Does that make sense? You haven't healed all that. The enmeshment is strong. So a blow, like a conflict will happen and an innocent, you know, 10-minute conflict that can be nipped in the bud turns into a three-week, three-month, one-year situation. And so this was really interesting because Dusty, one of the clients that we were working with, hadn't spoken to his father for four years and discovered that this is the reason. He's like, I can't be around my father. I'm, I, I will literally maim him if he's, you know, whatever. And what he discovered was that he didn't he didn't ha he hadn't spoken to his dad for four years what he discovered is it's not about him is because he didn't trust himself and his his own ability to regulate his emotions when dad was having a feeling does that make sense so when he was able to nip that in the bud and heal that old attachment wound he then reached out to his dad who was just waiting praying one day that he would reconnect and they did and it was a beautiful thing so <clears throat> the reason why your kids don't um, uh, want to have anything to do with you, number one, is enmeshment. And they don't know how to do, they don't know how to untangle it because you likely never taught them because that's a skill you haven't learned yet. So it's no wonder that they don't know. And you didn't learn because chances are you didn't learn that from your parents. You were raised in an environment from your parents where it was children are to be seen, not heard spare the rod spoil the child so if the child you know like if the child has a problem eating some, one of my close friends he's got a kid who doesn't eat he just has his very fussy eater and what happens is it's frustrating him so much that his kid is is having an emotion about eating that he actually hit his kid a couple times right and now the kid has a negative association with eating and he now feels that he's bad and now his dad's emotions are going to be, the, my friend's emotions are going to be his son's emotions. And that's where enmeshment's going to happen. It's like unconscious intergenerational trauma. And that friend of mine also had it from his parents, got his ass kicked if he wasn't, you know, behaving accordingly too. So it's always this hypervigilance of what are that person's emotions and I'm, res you know, I'm responsible for it. So enmeshment is number one. Let me know if that resonates with you. Reason number two why uh, your kids just can't stand being around you is because of your inability to take responsibility for your own emotions. This is a fact. Let me know, hands in the air, if you've ever had the experience where you were afraid of being around your parent because of something you're about to say that's going to set them off and have them lose their shit without you and, and you were just you know sharing a, a, a truth about yourself that was met with such fierce resistance that you lost it on them <coughs> your inability our i don't want to point fingers i know this is not about shaming you because i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of help even though this might be triggering for you there's, there's a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow if you just are willing to get uncomfortable a little bit. Your inability to take responsibility for your own emotions because you yourself are 
basically reacting. You're reacting to what's happening outside, and you're making it mean that you're a shit dad. You're a shit mom. You're making whatever's going on about you, and your reaction is coming from your own inadequacy. And the child, with whatever challenge they're going through that's in front of you, has likely, whatever challenges that they've gone through, has likely triggered the I'm a shit mom dad, mom slash dad, and you're unconsciously reacting from that wound rather than, um, you know, genuinely wanting to be there and, and, and be there to help them, whatever they're going through. Okay? So... Let me give you an example of this. If you and your parent, you, you and your partner, if, if, if mom and dad, okay, or parents right there, masculine, feminine, we usually see, could be same-sex partners, if they don't have a secure attachment, okay, if there isn't a secure attachment in the, work, in the home between mom and dad, masculine, feminine parent, okay, what will happen is there's a rupture in the attachment between the two. Then often one of the parents will then use the child to emotionally dump. Let me know if you've ever had that experience. If you have ever had that experience where you took on the responsibility of being the emotional support for a parent when there was a breakdown in the relationship. Okay? There's a word for that. It's called, it sounds horrible, but it's called emotional incest. Emotional incest is when the child becomes a surrogate partner, emotionally supporting the parent. And what happens is the parent, do, the, the child does it to, because, you know, it, it's an identity. They want to be, you know, they become a pleaser or a rescuer right? There's a pleaser or a rescuer identity. It's very satisfying. This is an, uh, you know, a way that the child can then feel safety, some level of control in a situation where there's, they're out of control because there's such a bad attachment between mom and dad. So the child doesn't feel safe. So they have to step up. They, they feel sometimes that they're responsible for stepping up and looking after the emotional needs of mom and dad. That's called emotional incest. And what happens is, over time, this pattern gets repeated, and then it fucks up their relationships because they start to repeat those patterns, and they're constantly feeling like they need to take care of mom or dad. That is exhausting. And so one of the ways that a, a child can heal from this is to basically say, look, when there's several attempts to tell you, look, I, mom, dad, and they probably said it in many different ways, okay? I'm tired of having to look after you. I wish you would be the parent rather than the child. Listen for these cues, okay? Why is it that you're acting like the child here? Why do I have to take care of you? I wish I had a mom or a dad that could be a, an adult. Why does it always have to be about you? If you hear this from your kid, chances are there's this playing in the background. And before you get defensive and you get ridden with shame and guilt, I want you to know that this isn't your fault. None of this is your fault. I want to normalize this, even though it's, you know, an abnormal situation. It's not ideal. It's very common in intergenerational trauma. Just think of your parent. If your parents were together and they didn't have a good connection and a secure attachment, that attachment, that detachment often is met with the child. Unfortunately, if you don't have your act together and you haven't really taken the time to heal those attachment wounds and to learn how to become trigger-proof, you're going to then use your kids for it. And the kids will get extremely um, tired of it. And then what will happen, unfortunately, is you, unconsciously, might then use shame and guilt as weapons to these kids. Because now they've, they've identified with themselves as having to 
have the responsibility of taking care of you emotionally. And if they don't do it exactly as you want because you don't have the proper resources emotionally, you might use shame and guilt to manipulate them to stay and, and take care of you. And I'm sorry if that if this is really bothering you and you're seeing this in your behavior or this might be triggering for you if, if you are likely seeing that you know, you're the child of a parent who's doing this. This this message is for you too, because my only concern here is breaking the cycle of intergenerational trauma. It cannot stop if you expect the child to do it. It cannot stop if you expect your parent to do it. The wounded child within all of us wants the other person to finally get us. But that's not where healthy relationships are, are created. That's not where intergenerational inherited trauma, I say inherited because it wasn't your fault and it wasn't even your parents' fault. It didn't start with you. What I'm saying is, is that it can end with you, but only if you're actually keen on really listening and paying attention and be willing to accept these feelings of, of healthy shame that are coming up. Toxic shame is when you're like, Nima, you're triggering me and I'm going to avoid the conversation and go and hide in shame. That's toxic shame. Healthy shame is a good thing. It's like, ooh, ouch. What you're saying, Nima, is really being hurtful. I get your, your, your intention. Your intention is really good. It's not easy. It's a bitter pill to swallow, but I'm willing to take responsibility. That's the only way this can happen. To expect them to is a futile endeavor. Something magical happened in all of my family relationships where I stopped assuming that my mom and dad should take responsibility and finally learn how to empathize. They couldn't. It's not possible. You know, the reason why the children want to stay away from the parents is because of this narcissistic parenting style, this, this, this assumption which is we are your parents, we deserve the respect, we did this and this and this and this for you. Kind of like making the child feel guilty for everything that uh, that you did based on kind of obligations as a parent. Oh, I fed you. I, you know, put a roof over your head. Like, did the, and it's like, wait a second. I didn't ask to be born. <laughs> this wasn't really my thing. This is your responsibility to put a roof over my fucking head. It's not something for you to use as a weapon to shame me and guilt me into and manipulate me into, you know, being what you want me to be, all right? But this is often used. Does this make sense? Let me know if this is resonating with you, or if this is pissing you off, that's okay too. I want you to let me know, because I want to see, I want my finger on the pulse of what's going on here, and it's truly to help. The 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 example of this, it comes from defect, what, I, what we call defective doll syndrome. Think about it. I want you to... Here's another, here's another thing that you want to look at. Take a look at the why, why your children don't want to be around you, why they want nothing to do with you. Ask yourself this question. What was my intent behind having kids? Think about it. What was my intention behind having kids? Very few of us think about it. But when I've interviewed many people or I listen or, you know, having conversations, most of the reasons behind why we decide to have children is very egotistical. It's the child, I want to have a kid to fulfill a void within me. In other words, reason number one, well, I want a kid because I want to, you know, lock down that, that man. <laughs> You've seen that happen? How many of you know somebody who's like, all right, I'm going to try and have a kid so that I can guarantee me some sort of a, you know, a connection. Uh, I want to have a kid because I'm bored. Uh, I want to have a kid because my relationship is shit and maybe this will solve it. Think about it. If having, if having a child, you had a child to unconsciously or consciously fill a need, well, this will make me feel important. This will make me feel like I'm, uh, you know, I have a purpose. This will make me feel like I have a sense of control. This will make me feel a sense of control and uh uh you know i really want to take this on because you know it'll make me look good in some way what's happening is you're creating a child 
to, to suit one of your needs. And what happens is very soon, within the first month, I'll tell you, <laughs> from firsthand experience as a parent for one month, very soon you start to realize that that kid doesn't give a fuck about your needs. Doesn't care about your needs for sleep. Doesn't care about your needs to look good. Doesn't care about your need to uh, be right. Doesn't care about your need to, uh, you know, like look sexy. You know, your body changes, your sleep is gone, uh, your finances are now, you know, filtered that way. So what ends up happening is then after a certain period of time when this child isn't fulfilling your needs, you then see this doll that you've created as your thing to fill your need is defective. So you have an unconscious resentment towards the child and that feeling you have towards them is felt. Let me say that again. Children can feel and sense your energy. If they feel and sense that they're defective because they didn't fill your need, boom, there's this energetic feeling. And believe me, I'd, I wouldn't have said this until I've had a child. And this newborn can sense my energy. He's having a rough time today all of a sudden, he's just crying like crazy, and I pick him up, and I'm feeling myself get really triggered and making it mean that I'm a bad kid because he's having gas. I felt that. And then I dropped into my body, dropped into my heart, dropped into gratitude for myself, self-acknowledgement. And then I dropped into how much I love this kid. And then, boom, I turned on some music, and then I started dancing with him, and I was just playful. And I was like, what's up? And then literally within 10 seconds, he had like that meltdown turn into like, hmm. And he was just like, and immediately Diana grabbed her phone and just started recording. And she's like, oh my God, in tears because she was so <sighs> confronted by his in like, like inconsolable crying. She, she didn't know what to do because enmeshment. <laughs> she, I'm watching her and, you know, it's tougher for her. It's easier for me because I didn't, you know, I didn't uh, have this baby growing in my body for nine months, right? And I didn't go through the whole C-section surgery and the, the suffering. I don't do, you know, I'm not up every single night in the middle of the night breastfeeding. So you moms, I have mad respect for how difficult this is, number one. Number two... And that's why it's so important for you to dedicate yourself to this work, to the understanding of this work, and just make it a priority. Your, um, you know, your inability to, my, my ability today to regulate my emotions had an impact on my kid. And my inability to regulate my emotions and cause reaction and feelings of resentment towards him he will then feel like a defective doll. And the story he makes is, I'm not good enough. And so what did I say at the beginning of this call? People go to where they are, they are appreciated the most. And if he's around me and he gets this sense, oh, he's got this, I got to fix that, I got to fix that. Uh, what happens is he then feels not good enough because of my inability to regulate my own emotions and my own shame. He then feels not good enough. So what does he do? He says, fuck off. Because quite frankly, the reason why your kid doesn't want to be around you is because they, the way that they feel about themselves around you. Let me say that again. The reason why your kid is avoiding you, and I'm, I'm, I'm addressing um, certain people who've been messaging me about estrangement from their children and help, they're, the kid won't say, that. They, they, why won't they talk? Can you fix them? Can you? And I'm like, well, I think I'll help more by doing a very triggering video to kind of wake you up to the truth of some some shit <laughs> and the reason why they can't stand being around you is because the way the, the way that they feel about themselves when you're around that's a fact I don't even know your personal situation I'm talking universal to all of us what's what's universal what's personal to you is universal to all of us and that's a very important consideration when you're sitting here in your 
kind of victim story to your children is that who was I being around them? What shames and guilts in my own life that's unresolved am I just reacting to within them? One of the clients that just kind of started working with us and asking for our help <clears throat> is having challenges with her 16-year-old son. Excuse me, 14-year-old son. He's having, you know, uh, problems in school. He's been acting out. Um, and he hates his mom. <laughs> okay? He hates her. He can't stand her. They just have a really broken relationship. And so she's like, I'm here to take, she's like, oh, I'm here to take responsibility. I love working with people who are like, fuck it. I'm going to take responsibility. And I'm going to do the work. And so what she discovered at our last overview experience was that when he's been acting out, she feels ashamed of him. And she feels the need to fix him, to solve him because he's acting like a jerk in public. She then reacts. She has a face. She has a reaction energetically of rejection. He feels rejected. He feels even smaller. So what do we do? What do children do when they feel small? They act out and they make themselves big and they get whatever attention they can, even though it's not healthy. And when she went and looked, she realized this was all her own shame with her mother. This is when her mother was constantly trying to fix and solve and have her feel less than. It's just one generation passed down to another. And I can't wait to see how her relationship with her son changes when she stops trying to fix and she starts taking responsibility uh, for her own emotions, which is number two reason why your kids can't stand being around you is because of your inability to take responsibility for your emotions you make it about them it's quite honestly quite uh quite possibly take a look it's your shame that's passed down shame is passed from generation to generation and it's no fault of your own i'm not here to shame you about it even though you're going to probably notice some feelings of shame come up when you get triggered that's really what's being triggered is your shadow of shame and we all have that in common. So I want to normalize that. I'm not saying you're bad. I'm saying there's a few unhealed things that if you don't take responsibility for will get passed down. And then, you know, it's like your kids are, are, are a, a reflection, are, are showing you a reflection of how you're being with yourself. So that brings me to number three is the re number three reason why your kids can't stand being around you number three is your inability to empathize with them your inability and all of that leads to your inability to empathize the enmeshment your inability to take responsibility for your own emotions what happens is you become an either an overt or a covert narcissistic parent which doesn't have an ability to empathize which makes everything about them and it's not even your fault because this is all happening within the millisecond of the trigger because the trigger is not about the kid. The trigger is about your unhealed wounds with your mother or father that has you feeling less than and feeling ashamed of yourself and feeling insecure. And then when the child acts like a human and has their own insecurities and expresses their own humanity, you're reacting to your own unhealed wounds to try to externalize the responsibility inside and you you lose an ability to empathize with them and they don't feel seen they don't feel heard and the irony the irony of this is you're probably really good at empathizing with others like my mom and dad are my mom is amazing at empathizing with other people when it comes to us she can't because when we express something that she perceives as a critic from a critical nature, she then, instead of listening, will take the stance of defending. No, but I this. And if, 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 if this is happening with you, I'm, I'm saying this as a kind of a, as a cautionary tale. If you're getting feedback from your children and you don't know, you don't have the capability because of the covert unhealed, because of the narcissism, which comes from unhealed trauma, you will jump and defend your position instead of learning how to actually listen with an open heart. Open-hearted listening is not possible. 
and and here's the telltale sign and you got to be honest with yourself how good are you at receiving criticism when when you get criticized how do you react now if you react by defending yourself or doing what I, what Demartini students love to do, which is turn it around on the other person and then and then say, yeah, but who sees that trait in you? Which is a clever way of gaslighting. It's like uh, it's like when you use the work to gaslight and invalidate another person. When somebody criticizes, do you gaslight them? Right? Do you you know that that experience is really maddening for someone. And so after a certain period of time of trying to get a point across, which is maybe in the form of a complaint, and a complaint is, Mom, Dad, I'd really appreciate you loving me in this way. Okay? And we don't learn communication. We don't learn conflict. We don't learn how to lean into conflict. We think conflict is horrible, so we avoid it. We pretend we walk on eggshells. We walk on eggshells because we're so afraid and we're just in our, in our, in our minds. And then we completely disconnected. There's no intimacy. There's no empathy. So your kids are avoiding you because they've given up trying to feel seen and heard by you because you're running on guilt, your own guilt and shame. You haven't healed your own attachment wounds. So you're just looking for a validation from them. It's like the, the, the child then becomes extent, an extension of your ego. This is the defective doll syndrome. This is when you have the child as, as, as an extension of your own ego. If they're, you're, they're there to validate you. Rather than you're there to be a parent, you don't have an ability to empathize because you had parents that were emotionally immature. They didn't have an ability to see you, hear you, there was emotional incest because they didn't have an ability to take responsibility for their emotions. There was enmeshment. You had to step up and take care of their responsibility. Then you ended up not feeling seen and heard. You end up becoming needy. Needy in the form of codependent and needy or needy in the form of narcissists. Narcissists are just as needy. It's just two, two sides of the same coin. Narcissist, codependent, same thing. Narcissists and codependent are basically reflections of one another on opposing parts of the scale. So if you ever caught yourself going, ah, I was married to a narcissist for 30 years, look in the mirror. It's because you're a perfect match for a narcissist because you have unconscious covert narcissism going on. There's the overt narcissist and then you, the covert. And the second that you own it, you then take the power back. It's really powerful, this work, when you are willing to get uncomfortable and look at yourself. So your inability to empathize with them, causing you to have kind of like a narcissistic parenting type of thing, defective doll syndrome, they didn't, you know, they, they're an extension of your ego. They didn't fit the bill, so they failed, and I'm pissed, and why don't you just change and do this and be this because I know what's best. And, you know, that's tough. It's tough when the child wants to go a completely set, different set of values. It's tough when you know what's best. I mean, I, both of the, my earlier relationships that were long-term, my parents did not approve, and they were very open. And here's the best part. They were absolutely right. Well, not so much. They weren't right. Um, yeah, they were right about my second one. But here's the thing. I wanted to the opportunity to make my own choices right and my dad I remember him saying after you know he was like I'm sorry I can't it's kind of like you're taking a knife I'm watching my son take a knife and stab himself in the heart right and then come to me afterwards and go why am I so why am I bleeding you know it's like it's incredibly invalidating for him I get it the problem is if you haven't done your healing work, you will expect to be seen as the parent, not understanding that the child just wants to be understood, doesn't want necessarily to be told what. You've been listening to the Trigger Proof podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger-proof doesn't mean trigger-less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our 
purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience. And a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. To do. They just want to feel understood. And if you, sometimes as a parent, our ego and our need to be right and, and, and the kid to actually, um, you know, fit a certain description, fit a certain kind of social decency that you expect, if, it, if they don't, um, then we have a reaction to it. And that's difficult. You know, I'm going to, I'm saying this knowing full well full well that I'm anticipating this challenge as my child grows up. And my, my, my work, my job right now is to just be honest with myself every step of the way and just be as forgiving of myself as possible because I'm going to screw it up. But I'm so lucky I have these tools that I'm able to take the conflict and learn how to restore. That's another reason why your kids probably don't want to be around you. This is kind of like a uh, three and a half is you haven't learned how to restore integrity, how to heal from a rupture. You haven't learned from your parent, so you haven't taught them. You, healing from ruptures hasn't been modeled to them because it hasn't been modeled to you. Okay, that's one of the reasons why. And the number four is it all leads to number four, the reason why your kids don't want to be around you, it all leads, leads to number four, is that you have unhealed attachment wounds that you're projecting onto them unconsciously. They are at the effect of your own unhealed attachment wounds that have caused you to have enmeshment, that have caused you to have a limited emotional maturity, that have caused you to maybe show up as the child rather than the parent, that has caused the situation to have to have the child have, feel like they need to step up and take care of you emotionally because of your unhealed attachment wounds with your own parent. If you're having challenges with your children, stop trying to chase after them and just pause take a sacred pause and instead of wallowing in your pity and playing victim use this as an amazing opportunity to go in and heal your own wounds nikki had this happen when we started working with her her son who's a bit autistic who's married didn't want to have anything to do with her and just avoided and she got it she really got it within a few weeks of working together she's like oh wow he loves me so much he he's unable to he feels ashamed around me and you know he's made up this story and he wants nothing to do with me and and so christmas was rough there were a lot of tears we worked through and just she just focused on healing those wounds and then within a couple of months he came around without her having to to push this also reminds me of um uh what what is her name Let's call her Ivana. I'm going to call her Ivana. I'm not, I, I'm not sure um, if she has given me permission to share. But <clears throat> one day, she, Ivana reached out to me and sent me a screen capture of a note that her daughter, her daughter who's like in her mid-20s, wrote and said, I hate my life. I want to kill myself. I can't win. Uh, I'm leaving. I'm moving out. And she left this note and left. And then she messages me in a panic. Oh my God, my daughter says she's going to kill herself. She hates herself. Can you please help her? And I was like, Ivana, no. No, this is not about me helping her. She's not the one coming to me. This is about you using this moment to go inside and heal those attachment wounds. Both her, her daughter and her son really were like not talking to her. And she was like crying like a little baby. And she really saw that she was the emotionally immature one, 
that her she was projecting her emotional wounds on her children, expecting her children to take care of her emotionally. There was enmeshment. There was narcissistic parenting. And she was like, every time she would come on the group call, she goes, oh, my God, I'm totally making this all about me. I made it all about me. And I'm like, exactly. That's exhausting. Your daughter's trying to figure her own shit out, let alone having to take care of you. So she says, okay. I'm going to hundred percent prioritize taking care of me. And she basically grew up emotionally. And then what was amazing was that the relationship with her daughter, which was completely estranged, they turned out to be like best friends because she was able to hold space for her daughter. Even when she had like a really bad, like horrific, uh, you know, she was drunk, passed out. She had her stomach pumped in the hospital and she was like, Oh my God, my mom's going to kill me. But her mom, Ivana was able to hold space for her and be there and be like, I'm here for you. And she's like, what? You mean you're not going to, you know, you're not going to like kill me over this? And she's like, no, I, I completely understand what you, what, where you're coming from. She was able to regulate herself. She took responsibility for not making it about her, which is very difficult to do. That's in your body. These wounds are in your body. She then broke the cycle and her daughter came on all the groups, one of the group calls and was like saying hello to everyone. We were all giving her a hug. And I was like, this is heroic work. You're taking on this work to break the cycles for the next generation, but also for your past generation from your parents too, who had no access to these tools, who had no access to understanding how the nervous system functions, who had no access to teaching, to, to programs that taught instead of, you know, communication skills, learning empathic communication skills with the self to heal your own wounds. So once you've done that, all of a sudden you can communicate amazingly with others. It's a really beautiful thing, you know. These unhealed wounds from your family dynamics is shame. The shame of your parents gets passed down to you, causing you to feel shameful and bad about yourself. And what happens is we then create children as an extension of our egos so that we can then project our shame onto them. And it's no wonder why we have broken down family dynamics. And the reason why that's so sad is because when you have that rupture with the primary caregivers, you cannot possibly be well in life. You're bullshitting me if you think, if you're telling me, and we, a lot of my clients, when they we, they we first start with them, they bullshit. They're like, I haven't spoken to my dad, and I'm doing just great. Yeah, how's your marriage doing? It's shit. It's in the shitter. Yes, of course it is. <laughs> and so in order to change the world, you must clean your own room first, which means heal your own attachment wounds if your children aren't speaking to you, take full responsibility going inside and working through whatever's incomplete within yourself because I guarantee you there's a entanglement between that and the reason why your children don't want to see you. Your children are a reflection. Your, your children's uh, abandonment of you is a reflection of your own abandonment of yourself. I know this for a fact because we work with people who see that and finally own that. And instead of sitting wallowing and hoping that the kid is going to wake up and finally appreciate them, they have decided to use that time to go inside and learn how to appreciate them themselves, their younger selves, their younger parts that they abandoned a long time ago. And all of a sudden when you do that, your parenting goes through the roof. Your empathy goes up. You start to de-emesh from the other person. You're allow, you allow them to have their feelings and you don't bring your own feelings of inadequacy into your kids' feelings. And then your, your children feel like they have parents that they can count on. It's very rare in, in today's age to have that. But I'm committed to being that parent to my child and making all the mistakes and being open to using each conflict as a way to go inside and heal myself and get deeper intimacy and repair with my son, right? And, you know, maybe this <laughs> Facebook Live or this YouTube uh, clip is going to jump up and bite me in the ass down the road. Maybe I'm open to that possibility. I'm humble enough to admit that I might fuck it up too. But 
I might actually need this training. I promise you I'm probably going to need this training in 20 years. You can maybe even send me the link of it. Uh, or maybe Dominic, <laughs> you, my son, <laughs> you're watching this 20 years down the road and you want to reach out to me and you're having a problem. This is to you, Dominic, my son. You're a month old right now. Um, maybe uh, you can't stand being around me. Maybe you don't like the way uh, that you feel when I'm around you because I have such high expectations that I have an inadequacy within myself so that I project it onto you. Sonny boy, I want you to send me this link as a reminder for me to go inside and use the tools and practice what I preach. I love you very much. Uh, I'm willing to take that on. This is my, my life's work, and I want my relationship with you to be um, the 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 reward that's what i want kathy what's up <laughs> uh in yeah in 20 years kathy you're you're a great example of this um uh, and you're not alone in this is that if your children are struggling consider the possibility that their resistance to getting help is a mirror for your own resistance your own fear of looking inside and what's the biggest thing in the way I'll tell you what the biggest thing is in the way, is that it's not time, it's not money. That's all bullshit because if it was for your kid, you would find the time, you would open up the time, and you would get resourceful. The biggest obstacle, and I'm telling you what it is, is your inability to sit with the emotions that are going to come up when you look at yourself and see the parts of you that you're ashamed of. It's going to be extremely painful which is why intergenerational trauma happens. Instead of talking about it, you would rather just hide like you always have and then carry on with the health issues, carry on with the emotional issues, carry on with the mental health problems, carry on with an inability to self-regulate and empathize with other people, which then has the children feeling not seen and not heard and having to feel responsible for their parent. Just think of how that felt growing up when you had a parent that... Um, <sighs> really couldn't handle their own emotions, so you had to kind of step up and take care of them, leaving you felt not seen and not heard, which then you have a kid to finally solve that problem, and lo and behold, they don't meet your needs, they become a defective doll, and then you push them away. I know. Knowing isn't, I wish just knowing is enough. Taking action is the most important part, and I'm saying all of that with love. So, shame wounds projected onto them. That's the number four, your unhealed attachment wounds. Enmeshment is the number one reason. Your inability to take responsibility for your own emotions emotional through emotional incest, projecting that responsibility, making them responsible for it as the surrogate parent. That's emotional incest. The third reason is your inability to empathize with the kids, the narcissistic parenting because of defective doll syndrome, which I spoke of earlier. And number four is your unhealed attachment wounds. So... The answer is to actually take responsibility and heal them. So what I'd like for you to do is to really think, uh, right now at the recording of this is October 27th, just before Halloween in 2020. I want you to think of Christmas. What relationships do you want to be improved by Christmas? And what I'd like for you to do is to send me a DM and let's start a conversation about what has been stopping you. Only if you're serious about actually taking action to heal this, I want to get in a conversation with you and to see if you um, are an actual fit to take on this type of work of healing that attachment, those attachment wounds. Why is that important? Well, it didn't start with you and it's not your fault, but it can end with you. And the people that we work with in our programs are the ones that take on the difficult task of looking back at themselves, the parts of them that they are ashamed of and they wish didn't happen, those abandoned parts, and realize that your children will not be able to return to you if you don't learn how to return to you first. They're just a reflection. And if you're actually wanting to do the greatest gift for your children, send me a DM and give me your story and we'll get into communication and I'll see. I'll even give you a training to watch first. I want to start a dialogue. Tell me about, you know, 
tell me about your seriousness level. And then if, if it's a, the right fit, what I'll do is I will uh, get on a call. We'll, we'll get on a call with you. We'll see where you're at. We'll see where you want to be. And then we'll discover what's in the way and then set things up from there. So a lot of people have been following this conversation for a long time. It's never been more important than to than now because as we get older with these unhealed attachment wounds what happens is health starts to turn to shit. This is why why is this important? Why do I why do I even have to bother? Well, it's very clear the research indicates without healing that, without solving these breakdowns that happen in relationship dynamics, these ruptures you're walking around with these ruptures and they're weighing on your mind, they're weighing on your body and they're destroying the cells of your body. And I want to stop that process and help you take responsibility rather than playing victim to your children. I want you to learn how to become an emotionally mature individual. The greatest gift you can give your children is a self-loving mother and father. And uh, send, send, send me a DM and let me know exactly what's going on, where you'd love to be by Christmas. And then let's let's get into a conversation. See you at the next perfect time.